0: To the left, to the left Everything you own in a box to the left In the closet, that's my stuff Yes, if I bought it, please don't touch And keep talking that mess, that's fine But could you walk and talk at the same time, man? It's my name that's on that jack. So go ahead and pack Yes, you call you a cabin Standing in the front yard Telling me how I'm such a fool Talking about how I'm never gonna find a man like you you got me twisting. You must not know about me. You must not know about me. I can have another you in a minute. Matter of fact, he'll be here in a minute. Don't you ever for a second get to thinking you're irreplaceable. This episode's been coming for a long time, and today we're finally talking about Queen B. So get in formation. It's time to talk about Beyoncé.
1: Yeah. Like,
0: Welcome to Pop Culture Catechism, top conversations top about music, movies, top. and the longings of the human heart. My time, let's get started. Ooh, I take my time, just let's go. Black lives matter. How you feeling so far, listeners? All right, I got another one for you. I am a feminist doing okay? These are controversial things to say in Catholic discussions in 2022. Why is that? And should it be that way? Are these things, these, these ideas, are they at odds with the Catholic view of the world? Are they totally congruent? Is there an authentically version of feminism, uh, authentically Catholic version of feminism? Is there an authentically Catholic version of anti-racism? And what does that look like? And what about love? What's love got to do with it? Today we are talking about Beyoncé, one of the biggest musical artists ever. She's crossed over every genre and she started off her career talking about the things that most musical artists talk about, dancing in the club, you know, love and, and heartbreak and all those sorts of things. But as her career has gone on and as she's become more and more of a phenomenon, her career has increasingly focused on some more political issues and not in the way that a lot of other artists normally do. And so today we're talking about the music and the message of Queen Bee Beyonce. And to have this conversation, I was looking for a while for, for someone who would be a good person to have this conversation with. And I found her. Her name is Marcia Lane McGee. And she is the vice president of New Wave Feminists. I saw her at NCYC, the National Catholic Youth Conference, which where I was a musician uh, this past November. And she was a speaker. Uh, she was also on my friend uh, Julia Struckley's uh, podcast, Seven Mile Chats, where Julia was on our Brittany episode. And Marcia also runs the Plaid Skirts in Basic Black podcast, and she's the author of a new book called Fat Luther, Slim Pickens, a black Catholic celebration of faith, tradition, and diversity. My name is Mike Tenney. I'm a Catholic speaker and worship leader from Washington, DC. I spent over a decade teaching Catholic high school theology and also trying to make it big as a rock star, and now I'm blessed to speak with thousands of people each year through various events and also pop culture catechism. This is Pop Culture Catechism, the gospel according to pop music and movies, where we look for God's love in the media, in the music, in the movies that you are plugged into, so that then when we unplug at the end of this episode, we can go out into the world and we can live God's love better and experience it better. So my hope for you by the end of this episode is that we're going to have some things that you can do today to help you know God's love and live God's love. I want to welcome to the show Marcia Lane-McGee. Marcia, how are you?
1: I'm doing okay. How are you? It's
0: I'm good to be doing, here. Yeah. So Marcia, tell us about yourself.
1: Tell you you must not know about me. You must not know <laughs> about me. <laughs> but One, it's okay. Wonderful. I won't find another you in a minute. It's fine. You're oh, it just my the goodness. way you are. This is
0: this is this is wonderful <laughs> already. Yeah. So, tell tell us about yourself.
1: Well, I'm Lynn McGee. I am an author, speaker, and podcaster. Like you said, I am also an aunt to a host of nieces and nephews, and that is my favorite thing to be, um, because I get to spoil them and give them back to my mm-hmm. sisters and brothers. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> I am also, um, I am black, Catholic, feminist. Um, I have been called much to, not much too, not my chagrin, but what they hope was woke i'm like oh okay (laughs) Mm -hmm. i was like oh well you're woke and i go that is not an insult and that's an appropriate Mm -hmm. term and we can talk about that later Um, but i am absolutely happy to be here to talk about all things beyonce black catholic feminism black lives matter (laughs) all of it i'm here for it so
0: awesome cool um so i i when i you know i I, like i said I, i i saw you at ncyc giving a little talk uh, or I saw a little bit of your talk as I was jumping between sessions, trying to get back to my session to play <laughs> to play music. <laughs> and uh, then I, you were on my friend Julia's uh, podcast, and then uh, I looked up a bit of your podcast. And you're talking about Taylor Swift. You're talking about oh, Boys yeah. to Men, great Boys to Men episode. Uh, <laughs> it's one about of Lut- our favorites. <laughs> yeah, and talking about Luther Vandross. I'm like, I never really gotten into Luther Vandross, but I was like, all right, this is a good introduction. I was like, I, I got to have her on my show because this is like exactly <laughs> what we talk about on my show. Um, you said at one point uh you were t- you were talking about some lyric or whatever and you're like i'm gonna jesus juke is that the phrase yep, jesus, jesus juke"? juke. Yeah, like, yeah so so i feel like my whole show is jesus juking could you explain that term for us uh, okay
1: so it, it's so funny it's like so um first of all when you juke somebody you take them down by surprise like okay. like it's so. listen it is a, it's real black um like, but I feel like our whole podcast is a primer into Black culture. But it's mm-hmm. like, um, it's like, if, yeah, when you juke somebody, you just take them down by surprise. Like you hit them where it hurts and they weren't, they didn't mm-hmm. see it coming. And my mom knows the art of Jesus juking. And so mm-hmm. that's what we call my mom whenever she'll turn, you can have a bit Normal conversation about anything that has nothing to do with Jesus, and she would like mm-hmm. bring it in and talk about yeah. how Jesus died for our sins. I go, we just got Jesus juked and like mm-hmm. you got taken down and like yeah,
0: by surprise. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. That, was, that was kind of the 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 gist I I picked up from the context. But when when you said that, I was like, oh yeah, that's that's pretty much my entire show is Jesus <laughs> <That's chicken."
1: laughs> like You get Jesus so. juked. It's so, yeah, I, so, I don't even know I use that on the podcast.
0: Yeah, you did. You did. All right. So uh, let's talk about uh, Destiny's Child and Beyonce. So Beyonce started with Destiny's Child. It was a a girl R&B group, and they had five albums, sold 60 million records, and had two Grammys. And then Beyonce was kind of the solo star to rise from Destiny's Child. And she went on to be an actress and, most famously, a recording star in her own right, Uh, 120 million records, twenty eight. Grammys not nominations Grammys, Grammys. won <laughs> including uh, her most famous album uh, I Am Sasha Fierce set the record with the most Grammys ever for 6 Grammys in one year she has 26 MTV Mi- video music awards uh, her albums are Dangerously in Love 2003 b-day in 2006 I Am Sasha Fierce in 2008 Four in 2011 the self-titled Beyoncé in 2013 uh, the visual album 2000- Lemonade in 2016 she's also done a uh, kind of movie uh, I'm not even sure what to call it called black is king which was released yes. i think on on, on netflix um, and she was very uh, involved in disney the lion plus. king disney oh it's on disney plus mm-hmm. she was also very involved in the um live action remake of the lion king and some of that music she's been featured on a, a bunch of other artists stuff uh most recently she uh did the song be alive uh for the uh what this uh, uh, king richard the the mm-hmm. movie that will smith won yes. the won the best actor uh, for, mm-hmm. she did the, the song for that. And I yes. want to talk about that song because it's a really cool song. So, uh, first, before we get into the themes of Beyonce, I just kind of want to talk about what, what do we love about Beyonce? What makes her great as an artist? You want to go first? You want me to go first?
1: Um, I think one thing that makes her great as an artist, um, is that, well, from what I can see, um, she doesn't second guess herself and doesn't let anyone else do it either. Um, I think that she knows her power and she wields it and she uses it wisely, and I think that is huge as an artist, especially now um, where you know artists aren't owning, owning their music, they're not able, to, you know, to get production credit, they're being shut out of rooms and being told to shut up and sing. And um, and Beyonce's like, "I will sing, I will not shut up." <laughs> and so mm-hmm. um, I think who she is behind the scenes or who we believe she is behind the scenes is actually the most important part of her artistically.
0: Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um I really app- well I mean first of all her voice incredible voice uh, uh did you ever see uh dream girls the movie dream girls yes, many with her and jennifer hudson so uh yes. I, I i heard not who knows that this is true but in the movie beyonce is in this girl group with jennifer hudson and jennifer hudson is like the voice of the group mm-hmm. and then beyonce is kind of like the face of the group um and the uh, in in the movie, they're saying, like, oh, Beyonce's character, she doesn't quite have the voice, but she has the looks. And so she's getting most of the attention. It's kind of like this, this trial to overcome for Jennifer Hudson's character, who's the real talent of the group. But in real life, Beyonce kind of had to like tone down her voice because her voice is like right up there with Jennifer Hudson. Maybe Jennifer Hudson's like just just a little bit, but like Beyonce can sing. Good grief. Just incredible control incredible power she's got this like, growl that she does um and she can rap she can do hip-hop and just yeah incredible voice she can do real pretty stuff um almost more like in a classical style but she's she's just an incredibly versatile uh vocalist that can really really do anything um, okay i also think it's can i yeah sorry gonna, yeah, yeah go, go, say go, go ahead because yeah. i
1: really think it's really important that I come to the defense of my Chicago girl, Jennifer Hudson. I think that Mm -hmm. Jennifer Hudson has a more powerful voice than Beyonce. And I'm going to put it out Mm there. I'm like, I was like, Uh and not that, no, I'm not talking about talent. I'm talking about like the sheer power of her voice. Like Jennifer Hudson has a church voice.
0: Yeah, She has a gospel singing
1: Mm -hmm. church voice. And that's the voice I grew up with. And like, I know Chicago gospel singers and that's it. Um, and mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm, like I just, I just want to be very clear about that. I can't, I can't let that slide. Okay. <laughs> I think you're great, Mike. I just can't let that slide. No, 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 but- no that's, that's okay.
0: <laughs> and I, I would, I would agree. And, and for listeners, I was making hands on the screen. I think Jennifer Hudson is just. I, th- I think she's a little bit better than Beyonce, but I'm just saying Beyonce can hang. Beyonce can <laughs> Yes, hang, I she think, can absolutely
1: so. hang. I just want yeah, yeah, to yeah. make that clear. Okay, yeah,
0: I would, <laughs> I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Um, Something I also really like is she started off more pop, you know, coming from Destiny's Child. And even her early stuff, uh, Crazy in Love, and um, oh, that's you, a song. I don't know if you remember that song, that's uh, a Check Bop. Up On It. I love that song, Check Up On It.
1: Uh, <laughs> listen, okay, those are all still
0: All still bops, yeah. But but it's interesting. She's I I feel like a lot of artists, they start out kind of hardcore into a specific genre Mm -hmm. and then they kind of gradually become more pop. And she's kind of almost gone the opposite direction where she started very pop and then she's she's kind of gone like harder into the hip-hop elements um as as she's gone through. Like she wasn't doing stuff like formation. Early on, you know, and uh, anyway, so I, I just think that's cool. She's she's really highlighting the best of of, of hip hop and R and B, just kind of bring that into the pop world. Um, and I feel like for many for many people who aren't into R and B and hip hop, she's a bit of an ambassador in bringing those sounds uh, more into the mainstream. So, yeah. Um, anything else you love about Beyonce before we get into the spirituality and the themes of it?
1: Um. Okay. So I don't I don't know if there's a really a I'm just going to say it. So Beyonce. Mm-hmm is also someone who is fully aware of the light skin privilege that she has. Mm. Um, and she actually addresses it in formation. But um, it's one of those things where she didn't, she didn't trade on it. She absolutely recognized that she had light skin privilege. And mm. I think that caused her to prove herself more as a Black mm-hmm. artist um, and to be as exceptional as she is um Mm -hmm. i think that that is um i don't know if you're aware of that there's a light skin privilege in black community or what Mm -hmm. that looks like or okay i i wasn't sure i um Mm -hmm. but so for your listeners who don't understand not i mean well black people aren't created equal period stop but also not all black people are created equal and Mm -hmm. there has a lot has to do with like people who are darker are not treated as well. And people who are lighter are treated better. Like it goes down back to slavery where if you had lighter skin, you worked in the house. If you had darker skin, you worked in the fields. And I think that, and there's a, there, and light skin privilege has, it still exists. And instead of trading on that, she Mm -hmm. worked harder to deserve, not, not like, and I say quote unquote, like deserve, like my hands are in quotation Mm -hmm. marks, deserve her role in the R&B hip-hop like in the black artist sphere um, and mm-hmm. i think that it caused her to work harder and be more exceptional to make sure that people understood i deserve to be here don't for a minute say that i'm here because i'm light skin, and i think mm-hmm. that's really important
0: yeah, so thank you for for bringing that up. So I I first became aware that this was a thing. I worked at a Catholic high school for for many years. And while the time I was there, there was a big demographic change where when I first came in, it was probably about 60, 70% white. And by the time I, I left just a couple of years ago, we were probably 70, 80% black. And I so I learned a lot during that time. And one of the things I learned was first of all, was just just like how much Beyonce means to to young black people, especially um, uh, especially young girls and one of the things they talk about they'd be like oh she light-skinned and we you know talking about another girl and I was like I- explain this to me this light-skinned dark skinned <laughs> thing like I, I didn't understand yeah. so we we, you know we, I mean, we were I taught an ethics class so we were always talking about you mm-hmm. know racism and social justice and all sorts of stuff and so they would say you know light-skinned girls are generally considered prettier and, and you know you think about the the famous um black actresses you know Halle Berry very light-skinned um <laughs> you Lena know yeah alicia keys um like the the ones that are considered prettier are generally considered more light-skinned and um so I want to, specifically the song that I'm thinking of is Brown Skin Girl. Are you familiar with this song?
1: Um, so, yeah, I was trying to find my Brown Skin Girl t-shirt to wear. Oh, and yeah, I, well, I was okay. like, where did I put it? It might be in the laundry. Yeah. So yes, I am familiar.
0: <laughs> yeah, so so this this song, I would have students talk to me about this song all the time. And just mm-hmm. like how meaningful it was to hear somebody singing about black skin being beautiful, and uh, you know, she talks about Lupita. You know, Lupita is a, a famous actress, but darker Gosh. skin, and the fact that, and she's she's one of the first that's generally considered very beautiful. Yeah, and um, you know, and even just my myself as a as, as a man, you know, and thinking of yeah, as as I've grown up and matured, and just thinking about like what 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 do I find attractive, and what do, what do I find sexy, and what what is you know, like how much is that is socially conditioned, and how much is this, that, and the other thing. And you know, I grew I grew up in the '90s where like everybody was super rail thin, and you know, anorexia, and bulimia, and yeah. um, uh, plastic surgery, and all, all sorts of stuff. And now there's like Photoshop, and so you know, just learning how I, as a man, have been kind of culturally conditioned in a lot of ways to be attracted to women that are so artificially thin that in many cases it is impossible for them to even exist. Like maximum cover models are like 100% digitally created. And, you know, and just thinking about that, like, you know, I've I've most often been attracted to white girls, and to the extent that I was more attracted to black girls, it tended to be lighter-skinned black girls. I'm like, why is that? And like, can can I see beauty in a darker-skinned person? And so, just this this has been something that just uh, thinking about over the the past few years and just realizing how socially conditioned we can be to these things. Anyway, so that that was something that my students really helped me yeah. to see. So I want to I, I want to read a little bit from from this song. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is her verse in Brown Skin Girls. Um, Have you looked in the mirror lately, I wish you could trade eyes with me because there's complexities and complexion your skin it glows like diamonds pigment like the earth, you be given birth to everything alive baby know your worth I love everything about you from your nappy curls to every single curve your body natural same skin that was broken. Be the same skin taken over. Most things out of focus view, but when you're in the room, they notice you. And the chorus is brown skin girl, your skin just like pearls. Skin Mm -hmm.
1: skin just like like
0: pearls. (laughs) (laughs) So I looked it up because that's interesting. Because um that that, something else I my students taught me is um like mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Like I never even realized that the word fair and the word beautiful, yeah, they're they're totally synonymous and like snow white mm-hmm. she's snow white because she's supposed to be like pale and beautiful mm-hmm. it's like anyway so I, I that was just something I, I didn't realize so I looked up there are such things as black pearls yes you know, there are some, some places in the world they're black pearls because normally you think of pearls as white so I thought that was interesting but um anyway just, just seeing my my students talk about and how important it was for them to see um especially the girls talk about blackness being celebrated as something beautiful is just something that I never considered and something that I never thought about. Um, and something that I think why Beyonce is so important for so many people.
1: So. Yeah. No. And here's the thing. She's, I think it happened. I think the shift happened when she had a brown skinned daughter. And I think that's something that's really important to note because Beyonce's music has always been, listen, crazy in love. Like, all you can't start a Beyonce song without me starting dancing. Like I am um, on I'm, I'm, I'm the Peloton. I don't have a Peloton, but I have the app. There's a Beyonce ride. And I'm like, here we go. Right. <laughs> like mm-hmm. she will get you moving at all times. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what she's saying, but when she recognized the responsibility of being the mother to a black daughter who will grow up mm-hmm. to be a black woman, I think mm-hmm. a lot of things in her music changed. I think it was more, I think she was really realizing i need to leave a legacy not because not as beyonce the daughter but as like beyonce Knowles carter the mom yeah. to blue ivy and i think i think mm. blue ivy changed a lot of things for her um yeah like with brown skin girl with with all of it um with formation everything everything mm-hmm
0: okay ladies now let's get in formation yeah it's such a good song um <laughs> hot sauce in my bag swag you know <laughs> swag. <laughs> just uh, celebrating uh uh you know mm, uh she, she talks about like her, her heritage coming from the creole and just uh-huh. yeah, anyway so it's it's really cool her her, her singing about that and, and, and celebrating it um and uh, again something so i want I want to talk a little bit about privilege because I think th- this is another like highly charged mm-hmm. political word that I think sometimes people can yes. trip over. And I think sometimes people object to it because um, it almost people almost see it as a way of 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 uh, of being like, well, You know your life was easy. You know you have all these things that are that are undeserved. You just had things handed to you on a silver plate. And you know everybody's got struggles in their life. Life is hard for everybody. And so I think it's easy to be like, "What do you you mean I'm privileged? You don't know what I've gone through. You're judging me by the color of my skin and saying that my life is easy just because I'm white." And I, I think I think that's 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 not what it's saying. But can can you um I I, I feel like that's that's kind of the the objection to that term. So can you kind of help us understand this this term privilege a little bit?
1: Well when we say the term privilege or we use the term white privilege, we're not saying that your life was easy because you're white. We're saying that because you're white, your life was not as hard as it could have been. Do you know like and that's I think that's what people don't understand. Like your life your life may have been hard, but it wasn't hard because you're white. Yeah. And um gosh there's so, you're you're a 90s kid like me I'm 42 mm-hmm. I don't know <laughs> but like I'm like right I'm like mm-hmm. we're in that same age range yeah, yeah um yeah. Uh-huh. what was the song um I think there are a lot of people who hurt the idea of privilege when is it ever clear the father of mine song yeah. That uh-huh. song, um, mm-hmm. I, it was them. Like they it made me so mad uh because there is the the line you it wasn't easy for me to be a scared white boy in a black neighborhood. Mm-hmm. That line upset mm-hmm. like so many people. It was like it's Dude. not and, and it kind of flipped like and I think that stalled the white privilege mm-hmm. conversation a lot and when I was in high school and college because people are like, look, his life was hard because this artist saying one line because his dad mm-hmm. left him. And he's like, white people have dads that are absent. And we're like, not all black people have dads that are what is happening? Do you know what I mean? yeah. and like yeah, that, yeah. And I think when people think, <laughs> well, my life is hard. I was poor. We were on food stamps. Like, like, yeah, most people in the world on food stamps are white people. Well, you know what I mean? But like we're mm-hmm. saying that you're not held back because of your skin tone. We're saying mm-hmm. that you didn't get um that you weren't denied you know basic human rights because of your skin like and i think people don't realize that happens to black people all the time they decide they know everything about me when they see that i'm a black woman Mm -hmm.
0: yeah growing up so i grew i grew up in the washington dc area which is is famous in the country for being like super diverse and you know like the the family two doors down for me was a black family and he was an attorney and they moved out and moved into a better neighborhood than we could ever live in. And like, there was a black police chief that lived in our block and that sort of thing. So I grew up very much thinking like, you know, racism was something that happened in the sixties. And then there was Martin Luther King. And, and then, then, then it was time. <laughs> and, then, and then it was fine, you know? And then, and now everybody gets along and we learn about it in school and, and, and everything's okay. And even for me, you know, there were movies coming out in the nineties, like white man can't jump, you know? And if somebody said, oh, you're so white, like that was an insult. And you know was almost like black was black was cool and that the black music is what the the cool kids listen to and like i mean you know if you're white it's uh, yeah well i think it is cool yeah but like (laughs) being white was like synonymous with like being lame you know if somebody called you oh you're so white it was like oh well you're nerdy you know white nerdy and um so that's kind of and so it was it was a real revelation for me one just, just talking to some of my black friends as i became you know more grown up and more aware. And, um, and also as I went to college and had, had a less diverse experience mm-hmm. in college than what I was used to growing up to. And I was hearing Jewish jokes for the first time and people using the N word for the first time. And I was like, what, what is this? Where, where is this coming from? Um, and then, uh, my students talking about like walking into a store and, yeah. you know, having, having people like eye them suspiciously. Um, and, or like, you know, I get, if I get stopped by a cop, you know, and now, now I think, you know, if I get let off with a warning, I'm like, I wonder if I looked a little more quote unquote hood, you know, would I've gotten off with a warning, you know, or would have I been asked to, to I step I mean, out if of the you car, looked
1: more hood, you would you know? still be white. Have you Well, said- yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, gonna say, say that. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's no, no, no. <laughs> I, yeah, you're right. I should, I should say, you know, if I was, if I was black. Um, so, um, Anyway, so those, those are just the things that I've started thinking about. And even, even as I started to have more and more black students, just kind of understanding, like, what do we mean by the word respect? And what is seen as respectful or disrespectful? Mm -hmm. um, You know, and like one thing that I noticed is my black students, oftentimes when they needed to blow their nose, they would ask to leave the room. And I just started noticing that I was like, that's not something I was ever taught. And, but that's like seen as a sign of respect or like yeah. my Asian students, a lot of times when, when they hand something to you, they hand it to you with two hands. It was disrespectful to hand something to an elder with, with one hand. Mm-hmm. And so, and so then when I say to a student, like, you know, I don't need your attitude, or, you know, you, I, you know, there's no need to give me attitude. And they're, they're like, I wasn't giving you attitude. Like, how, how there's so much cultural yeah. information going on there as to like what, what is respectful, what is disrespectful, what is an attitude. And now, are students being punished because they're being disrespectful? And is, the, is something being lost in cultural translation here? Um, yeah, always. And, <laughs> some, and something that I noticed about our, our school is all of a sudden, our school started getting a really bad reputation. People started saying, oh, that school's going downhill, when really it was just the school was getting blacker. And I had three different conversations with parents. Parents I knew who were a part of our community who said to me, I wouldn't, I'm not sending my daughter there because I'm not sending her to school with all those black boys. Like to my face, I had three different people say that to me and just for, for, some reason, well, the, the reason is, is racism <laughs> is, <a> reason. is <laughs> the reason is racism when they, when they see kids hanging out in front of school and it's a bunch of white kids, a lot of people think teenagers, but if it's a bunch of kids hanging out in front of the school, goofing around and it's black kids, they think, Ooh, you know, they don't just, and, and, you know, the, the, the you, you see this in statistics of, um, you know, young blacks getting sentenced as adults more frequently, mm-hmm. uh, young blacks getting harsher sentences for the same crimes, as 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 white people, and so I think that that, um, that was really helpful for me. Sorry, go ahead.
1: Can you please say the full term, like young black men, young black people, young black, instead yeah. of saying young mm-hmm. blacks. I appreciate. Okay, that. yeah.
0: It, it, so you. is can can you help me understand that?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, you didn't say young whites. You said white people. I don't know if you caught that. Mm, you said that. you said yeah, young blacks getting sentenced young blacks doing this, but then young white mm-hmm. people, and I'm like, and I think that when people only like I I definitely want to be I am black like I am always black I'm black first Mm. I came out black so I don't (laughs) care like do you know what I mean but um Uh and that's always a just it's meant to be a descriptor and a designator not my full value or personality Um, Mm -hmm. or like, that's not all there is to me is that I'm black. It's a huge part. And when people don't, when the people say, oh yeah, when blacks do this or not, when black Mm -hmm. people, when black women, it dehumanizes me and it Mm -hmm. makes me just my race. And, and I don't think that you intended anything wrong by that, but Mm -hmm. I, and I was going to say something and then I wasn't going to say something. And then when you said white people, I was like, Mm
0: -hmm. okay,
1: so we, I just, I wanted to address that. No, I don't think you, that I, I definitely, definitely did not anything even, wrong by that. I just Yeah, but really but funny.
0: I like this these are the things I ask myself is like why how how did that get in my brain as the way to speak? You know, that when you're talking about blacks, most of the time you say blacks. And when you're talking about whites, most of the time you say white people. Yep. That's and not it. Anyway, <laughs> and it's yeah, dehumanization. So. <laughs> that's what it is. It's yeah. dehumanization.
1: Mm-hmm. Um one thing I want to say, oh, finish what you're saying. Finish what you're saying, because I completely interrupted you.
0: Well, um, and I, I was talking a lot, so I'm fine with being interrupted if you have something. So I kind of lost my train of thought. So go, go ahead and maybe it'll jump Well, I in wanted me.
1: to say another thing about privilege that people don't realize is that when your culture is the default, that's a privilege, mm-hmm. right? So if I would, if you were to say, you were go, to um, say, oh, yeah, I was born in America. You'd be like, oh, you're American. If I would say I was born in America, I'm more America, I'd be African-American, right? Mm-hmm. Like white people are the only people that just get to be Americans. Right, Um, like you're a Black American, Asian American, do you know what I mean? Like,
0: yeah, Mm -hmm.
1: Latino American, and like you're the default when there when you have history class, you have American history, right? I was a lit major in college, and I took me too. Oh, yay! Look at that. (laughs) Um, I took American literature, right? And Mm -hmm. that was like the Norton Anthology and what have you, and all the things. And then I also took African-American literature, which was an elective, right? So when your culture is the required course and my culture is the elective, but only Mm. only if you have time or room to take it, that's a privilege. And I think people don't think about that at all. Like when your culture is the default for American history, when Black history is American history, we literally built America. We literally came here and picked all the yeah. cotton. We, like, we, we had to fight in your war to get you to mm-hmm. be a country. We are American mm-hmm. history. And I think that people yeah. don't think about that or they forget about that. I mean, just walk mm-hmm. in Boston and you would learn that. You'd see that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah. um, and I think that that is a huge part that people don't understand about privilege is that you get to see yourself represented on the screen every single day. Yeah. That is... um. Um, and bringing it back to Beyonce is that people lost their minds when formation came out because white girls who were listening to Beyonce didn't understand and they were confused and uncomfortable. And we all had to say, baby girl, it's not for you. Like mm-hmm. you thought all this music was for you. And Beyonce is like, no, formation's actually not, for- you can enjoy it and you can love it. It's not for you. And mm-hmm. It, it it kind of blew everyone's mind, and I think it really helped people understand. Like, do you see now? Do you see that the mm-hmm. privilege of thinking that everything created, even for people who don't look like you, is for you? And when it's mm-hmm. not, there is an uproar and an uprising.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, so I, I don't know. If, I, guess, I don't know
1: if you knew that surrounding formation. That there, I, I
0: knew there. I knew. I remember there was some uproar. I don't remember exactly exactly yeah. what it was about, but just what that makes me think of is like, that's, I mean, that's one of the things I love uh, why I was a literature major and why I've always loved stories and why I love music is because it lets you in on somebody else's experience um, as much as you can ever truly understand somebody else's experience and walk in somebody else's shoes. I think music and literature allows you to do that. And you know, the vulnerability of artists and, and writers and and creators where they open these parts of themselves up to you and, like the fact that I feel like I can connect to Beyonce singing about hot sauce in her bag, even though like I don't carry a bag and I don't carry hot wouldn't carry hot sauce in the bag, even if I did. But like there's something about that, and like there, there, there's something about when she sings about, you know, you know, celebrate the, the nappy curls or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, like there, there's something that's common about the human experience. And 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 I think this this is um where I think the 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 Catholic vision is really beautiful is because fundamentally, what are we at our core? We're children of God, created in His image and likeness. And i I think this this is where um, this is kind of like what the the colorblind movement was trying to get at. Uh, the colorblind movement. Yeah, we're we're going we're to talk Gross. about where it failed. We're going to talk about where it failed. But the idea of like, when, you know, growing up, we heard, you know, it should be colorblind and not not see race and that sort of thing. And I think the good thing there that they're trying to get at is that fundamentally, at the core, we're human beings. But I think where that failed, especially for white people, is that then it 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 kind of allows you to go through life thinking uncritically about race and about race relations. And so, for, for white people who are the default, who have band aids in their skin color, who see a lot, who see the majority of people uh, on TV and uh, you know represented in the, in their race and what they look like, um, it allows us to basically go through life without having to think about race, as if oh yeah, that was something that Martin Luther King dealt with fifty years ago, and we don't have to worry about anymore. And I think what the anti-racist movement is responding to is that you know, we, we can't forget about it. Like we have to, because if if we just, if we just say colorblindness, a lot of people just forget about it. And we don't see all these underlying things. And this this is what I was going to say before is a lot of times people stumble over the phrase systemic racism. And I, and I stumbled over it for a while because we say, well, where's the system? If it's a systemic racism, where is the system, right? Jim Crow is gone. Slavery is gone. Where is the system? In fact, a lot of ways, the system favors minorities with, you know, college admissions and, and scholarships and, and hiring quotas and, and those sorts of things. But systemic can also not just mean that it's a system built around stuff, but systemic can also mean that it's throughout the system. Like if you have a systemic infection, that infection is throughout your body. And so when we look at housing prices and how the more black people that move into an area it tends to make housing prices go down, and then it's harder for black people to build wealth right and so uh you know and and, and so there, there's all sorts of little un, under the surface unofficial un you know not written into the laws where it says black people can't use this water fountain that's that's not there anymore but there's still all these kind of under the surface ways that absolutely are systemic because they're throughout our system um and i i think um the, the the Catholic vision is going to be authentically remembering at the core, we are one, right? It's not this war between white and black, between the haves and the haves nots. It's not this this power struggle um that, that maybe some some more modern and postmodern philosophies would have us believe. We you know, we really are one people, but at the same time there are important differences that should be noticed and recognized and celebrated, and where there's disparities, we need to work on that. So anyway, that's that's what I was gonna say before.
1: So I I just want – so you're saying, like, it's not a battle between the haves and the have-nots? Like, I think it very much is because the people who have are trying to maintain what they have. I think that when people – I think the huge pushback between – with, like, um, equity and equality is that people think that they're going to have less right? Mm, people are okay. like, well, I'm going to get less and I don't, I like what I have and I'm comfortable where mm-hmm. I'm at. Um, and that is where the pushback is. So it always is a battle yeah. between who has and has not, who has the privilege, who doesn't have it. And mm-hmm. people, and here's the thing, don't let someone tell you they don't recognize their privilege because if they didn't recognize their privilege, they wouldn't have any problem sharing it or helping or using it to make a difference Everyone recognizes, like everyone who has privilege recognizes they have privilege. I have privilege. Um, Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm a black plus size woman, right? And so there's not a lot of privilege that people think I have, but I know Mm -hmm. that because of how I present myself, I can get anything I want on the phone. I can get anything I want on the phone. Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) I know that sounds, (laughs) I know that sounds crazy. I I have family Mm -hmm. members that are like, I need you to make some phone calls for me. And Mm -hmm. it's a real thing. Since I've been in high school, people are like, you, you're going to make these phone calls. You're going to help us get what we need. I Mm -hmm. definitely have phone privilege because of the way I talk. Mm -hmm. I talk, this is the way I talk, right? People say you talk white. I just talk, this is how I talk. I grew up on the North side Mm -hmm. of Chicago. This is how North side Chicagoans talk. And when, and I, I recognize that, like it would, it would be silly of me to believe I don't have a privilege when I talk on the phone then how come I can get Mm -hmm. what I need every single time I make a phone call to customer service, but my cousin Mm -hmm. can't. Right. Mm. Um, Because
0: your cousin sounds more quote unquote black. Yes.
1: Quote unquote. Yes.
0: Interesting.
1: Do you know what, like people on the phone don't know that I'm black. My name is Marcia Lane McGee. No person believes I'm black on the phone. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like that, like Mm -hmm. I have privilege with my name. I have privilege with my voice. I recognize that, but once you see me in Mm -hmm. person, it all kind of falls away. They're like, you're fat and Mm -hmm. black (laughs) and a woman, (laughs) like, right. And Mm -hmm. so that, that completely, Mm -hmm. like it goes out the window, but for a while I know that I have it and I can use it. And so I think people who, I think it is, I think there is that struggle between the haves and the have nots because people want to hold on to their privilege and they don't want it to cost them anything. They're not ready to live in solidarity because that Mm -hmm. comes at, a cost. Right. Um, and so there's, I, I, I really, I really do believe that I don't, um, I don't believe that black people have an uh, easier time getting into college. I think that there are the programs that are created for black people to get into college still have language in them that make it seem that black people are less than, Mm. um, like, oh, we're gonna help you. We're gonna give you a leg up. When I was mm-hmm. in a program in college, um, and I like, okay, so I was in college. I got um, it was there was this scholars program. It was called I don't want to name the name of it. I it was just a scholars mm-hmm. program, and I was like, okay, great. And we all got accepted into it, and I was really excited. I went to a prep school. Okay, I I went to a prep school, like Catholic, all girls, full on prep, everything. I am whip smart, Um, gotten to the, gotten to college, gotten to the scholars program. I was very excited about it. And I fully realized that this was my, my friend and I, she was, she's Mexican and we both went to the Mm -hmm. same high school. Okay. And we get there and we're realizing that, oh my gosh, they think we're stupid minorities. And this was to help give us a leg up right mm. and we got into college on this do you know what i mean like whatever this mm. like and it was like we learned that it was a bridge program we thought we were coming for a summer enrichment intensive no it was a bridge program mm. we're like we know all of this we went to mm. prep school like do you know what I mean? like and yeah so boy. yeah there are opportunities but there are kind of set aside carved aside opportunities that make it seem like we're going to help you stupid black people, stupid my own people. So uh-huh. like there's not there's not more advantage, right? Mm-hmm. It's not we're not taking anything away from anybody. Other things were created and they're still not even good mm-hmm. enough.
0: Yeah. You, you, yeah. So I, I just want to yeah. be yeah. Clear so thank about you for that. sharing that. Yeah and 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 uh so the thing about the power struggle between the haves and the have-nots if I can go philosophical uh for for a second because I I think you're right it's not not about the power struggle and I think I think there there's kind of there's 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 two extremes to avoid and we see both of them in Christianity is one there is there is a version in Christianity some in Catholic circles I think it's a little more prominent in evangelical circles that's just kind of like you know devotion to god is about prayer devotion to god is about worship um and then all the like serving god's people that's nice but that's kind of secondary because that'll all get sorted out in heaven and we just kind of pray pay and obey to get through this life you know make your donations and then everything will be sorted out in the new world so we don't really need to care about the environment and we don't really need to care about the poor because the poor will always be with you right that's what jesus said um Right. So that's, 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 I definitely don't want to be saying that, that it's not about a power struggle. We don't need to worry about, uh, you know, lifting up the downtrodden because Jesus's mission statement in Luke four, he's quoting Isaiah. He says, why did I come? Because the Lord has anointed me. He's christened me. He's made me the Messiah to bring liberty to captives, to, to raise up the downtrodden, proclaim liberty to who? To the poor, right? So there's this social mission and social justice is a Catholic word that is not, that is not extraneous. It's not extra. It is, fundamental to the gospel is you know lib- liberation this message of liberation and now uh, w- what I was what I was trying to say before is there is a strain and I, I think this is where accusations of like quote unquote marxism come in is <laughs> Mar- marx's philosophy was that the human person is not fundamentally a child of god the human person is fundamentally determined by their socioeconomic status. And so you have, you know, you, basically you are more deter, you are more defined by your place in society than you are by your humanity, basically. And so, and that's why ultimately to have any real change, we need this violent overthrow and it doesn't matter how many people we kill. Um, and th- that's a real <laughs> danger. Mean... And it killed a lot of people in the 20th century. So <laughs> I, Yes. So I think there's there's two there's two extremes to avoid there and I think that's why the, the Catholic vision is so beautiful is because yes we focus on real world liberation in the here and now but we also recognize at our core we are you know we're we're, we're all children of God and Ultimately, there you know sin, sin is the enemy, and mm-hmm. those people over there who have more than me are not the enemy, and those people over there who look differently than me are not the enemy. Who are trying to take what I have aren't the enemy. Like ultimately, we're on the same team. That solidarity that you were talking
1: about, right? Well, so, yes, and I'm yeah, like I'm all about out. overthrowing <laughs> the patriarchy and racism uh-huh. and white supremacy. And sometimes supremacy. things need to be
0: overthrown. Yeah, be overthrown. Well, need they to need to, to be, be
1: dismantled, yeah. right? Um, the whole thing. But I think when you dismantle. And anything that you dismantle, there are going to be people that are going to go down with the ship or the building, and there are going to be people hurt and lost in it. Um, and that, not that we're like, oh, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I just, when I think overthrow and I go, well, you can overthrow people like overthrow regimes, but the palace still exists and what that stands mm-hmm. for still exists. I'm like, dismantle it, tear it all mm-hmm. down, like, <laughs> take it out, like, like in that foundation and dig it up all day long that's what i'm going to say yeah and and i and then get Get (laughs) in (laughs) formation
0: yeah and i agree sometimes things need to be overthrown even the blessed mother talks about that in the magnificat right he he, blessed be the lord because he cast down the mighty from their thrones and lifts up the lowly. so sometimes that absolutely um needs to happen so yeah um (laughs) he got like real off. (laughs) No, 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 no. I think we we were, exact. I was going to start with love stuff and then get to, get to anti-racism, but I'm glad, I'm glad, glad we went there. Um, so uh, I, I want to I close with just a, a bit from um, – I have some things from the catechism. This is pop culture catechism, so I want to read yeah, from the catechism. Jesus Jucum. Uh, Let's do it. Jesus Jucum. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> this is ni- 1934 paragraph in the catechism. Created in the image of the one God, equally endowed with rational souls, all men have the same nature and the same origin, redeemed by the sacrifice of Christ, and are all called to participate in the same divine beatitude and therefore enjoy an equal dignity. The equality of men rests essentially on their dignity as persons and the rights that flow from it. Men, of course, here meaning men and women, but they don't use that language in the catechism. Um, every form of social or cultural discrimination in, fundament- in fundamental personal rights on the grounds of sex, race, color, social conditions, language, or religion must be curbed and eradicated as incompatible with God's design. There also exists sinful inequalities that affect millions of men and women these are an open contradiction of the gospel. Their equal dignity as person demands that we strive for fairer and more humane conditions, excessive economic and social disparity between individuals and peoples of the one human race is a source of scandal and militates against social justice, equity, human dignity, as well as social and international. And apparently I cut off the last word, but anyway, that's, if you want to read more, that's 1934 in the catechism. So, and, and, also, from I have here a Bible quote from the book of Revelation. This is chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. And it's just a vision of all the people who are saved at the end of time. And it says, I look and behold a great multitude that no one can number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And uh, anyway, so I just think that's a, a beautiful vision of, of, of all nations coming to the throne of God. So I was going to take us to feminism. Yet, or, 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 next, are we are we ready for yeah, that?
1: I, I'm always ready. for right. Feminism. Can you handle it? Feminism. Can you handle it? Catechism.
0: Yeah. Um. stuff. Yeah, and so one thing that I think is uh, a principle from Catholic social teaching, which I think is key to understanding, um, how like how, where, where kind of Catholicism intersects with feminism and, and also the anti-racist movement um, is this idea of the the preferential option for the poor. And that's a fancy word with a fancy term with, with a uh, simple meaning that basically just means w- we have lots of options for how to try to address the problems in society. We should prefer the option that helps the poor and vulnerable the most, because they're the ones that are most in need. And so, <laughs> yeah. so when we say things like, black lives matter it's not saying that white lives don't matter it's that you know black lives are not being treated in our society with the same reverence or uh, you know respect as as, as other as uh, as other people you know if, a, if a, a white person murders a black person versus whereas a black person marries uh, or murders a, a white person the black person who murders the white person is almost always going to get a harsher sentence more likely to end up on death row. Yes. Um, but for some reason, when a black person murders a white person, that's, that makes national news. Um, <laughs> and so there's it, th- th- this idea that we have to say black lives matter and people respond with all lives matter. Well, it's like, well, yes, all lives matter. It's the same thing with the pro-life movement. Like the, the reason we, we stand up for the unborn is because the unborn are unduly victimized, right? They have, they have fewer legal protections. So I, I think that idea of the preferential option for the poor is, is kind of a guiding light for us when we're talking about pro-life issues when we're talking about feminism when we're talking about black lives matter when we're talking about uh social justice um so the song i want to focus on here is uh well formation i think um but also do you remember if i were a boy
1: um yes yes i do and the (laughs) remix is trash but yes i I don't remember that i'll have to go no they have like a a boy version and he's like but you're not a boy because you would and i'm like why did you approve that beyonce but I anyway vaguely remember that uh, <laughs> it's, it was trash no one needs to know about it love you b
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so there's a lot of songs about um you know girl power who runs the world girls um we run this mother <laughs> there's, there, there's all, all these songs yeah so Yes, and this is something I really appreciate about Beyonce because so many other women, specifically in hip hop, not so much in R and B. But if you listen to Cardi, if you listen to Nicki, um, you listen to Megan, and the way they talk about other women, uh, it tends to not like it tends to be like, "Well, I'm the best," but y'all are some, you know, <laughs> y'all are some bees, y'all. Are some... Whereas I notice when Beyonce she talks a lot about her sisters. Mm-hmm. Okay, ladies. Now let's get in formation. You know, there's there's a mut. You don't hear her speaking in a derogatory way towards other women, which I think is like. A really awesome, really healthy, cool thing. Uh, um, but
1: please don't, don't discount Cardi and Meg. I just need you to know that too. Oh. Thank you. I was, I was <laughs> yeah, like, do yeah, I yeah, need yeah, to yeah, defend yeah. all the other women to Beyonce? <laughs> no. Is our, that our, where we our are? Our first,
0: <laughs> our first episode of Pop Culture Catechism was on Cardi and <gasps> Megan. Uh, we did WAP. That was our first episode. I, I Meg, Megan the Stallion is a is a is a is a guilty pleasure of mine. My life. No, no, there around. are no guilty
1: pleasures. <laughs> There's just pleasures yeah. that other people think is are guilty. I'm Like. Okay. <laughs> Stay long, actually there are some like, guilty pleasures actually do you know what yeah we're not mm-hmm. gonna talk about that but <laughs>
0: okay <laughs> yes yeah
1: mm. but yes i love them
0: so let's talk about like what is what is the vision of um catholic feminism because because a lot of pe- feminism in in the the broader culture is um you know very very much uh, abortion rights um and, and that sort of thing so – and some people even question, can you be a Catholic feminist? You are the vice president of an organization called New Wave Feminists. Yes. Um, so can you, can you help us understand um, as a Catholic, as a woman, as a feminist, like he- help, us, help us sort this out if you would.
1: Well, feminism, when I first learned about it in school, I remember this. I was – gosh – I, I don't know what we were learning. Maybe, you know, maybe it was in my old girls college prep <laughs> mm-hmm. high school, but we talked about it we're like, well, feminist means that, you know, you want equal rights for men and women. And I was like, well, yeah, everyone should be a feminist. That's what it is. But um, mm-hmm. without recognizing there were, there were a lot more, not even nuances. They're just other components to feminism. Mm-hmm. um, And what that is. And I think what people, um, well, think it is or take it to me now but as as a person who's a feminist i am not i'm not like equal rights is not my main goal it's equity and i think that people yeah. um people want to say equality and like equality really hurts us right when we're saying as feminists we want equality because at the end of the day i do not want to be treated like a man i don't want you mm. i don't want man to be default and that's kind of what that's saying if i want equality then i want the male body, male form, male um, mindset to be the default. And that's not okay. I want equity. I want to be appreciated, celebrated, and revered in my biological sex and in my gender, just as men are. right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's where, and as a Catholic feminist and a pro-life feminist, even though I very much dislike the word pro-life and what it's become, but um, Mm -hmm. I think that we recognize that like abortion and other, um, abortion and other things that degrade women thrive because we've made the male form normative. Um, Mm. and so I think that as Catholics, that if we are allowing equity and, you know, making room and giving voice to the marginalized, which are women, um, which is really insane to me that women are marginalized because a woman, bore god and then a woman was the first to preach the living god but you know mm-hmm. sure women are less than um, we don't have, um the same right sometimes but um i think as a catholic that's kind of where my basis is where it's like if i was strong enough if my form was strong enough to bear god not just the son of god but actual god and to preach the risen lord um I should have a seat at the table. I should have equity. I should have. I don't need to be treated like a man, but I should be celebrated and revered um, as who I am as a woman and my feminine genius, just like a male is revered and celebrated.
0: So I uh, we we talked about this a little bit with my friend Julia in the in the in the Brittany episode mm-hmm. of um, who is
1: amazing both it, Julia and Brittany.
0: Yeah, yeah. Both. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I remember just, just a, you know, I, again, I just kind of the same way I grew up with my thoughts about um, racism being mainly a thing of the past. I basically grew up with the same thought of feminism, mainly, you know, uh, of, um, you know, women's subjugation also generally being a, a thing of the past, but there's, there's so many little things that go into the surface that I've become much more aware of as I've gotten older. And, um, One was I was just in a meeting with colleagues and one of my female colleagues had this brilliant idea that just like totally solved the problem we were talking about. We were talking about it and she came up with this idea and was like, that solved the problem. And then we kept talking and I was like, wait, didn't we solve the problem? And then like I went back and I was like, what about this idea? And everyone was like, great idea. (laughs) And I was like, well, that was that she... She said that you know, it just a, a couple. I've had a, a few interactions like that, and I remember one time I was on a um, I, I was uh, a, a select selecting something from our parish. I was I was on a board of people talking about selecting someone to to do something for our parish, and one of the people we were we were considering was uh was a woman who a young woman just got married, and I was like. Well, she's probably going to get pregnant pretty soon, um, and somebody said, "Well, that's that's like illegal for us to consider." And I was like, "Huh? Yes, it is. Oh, yeah, that makes total sense." Like she explained it to me, and I was like, "Oh, so I can see how someone, you know, like me, thinking I'm very smart, trying to think through the practicals, and is like, Oh, this is this is a keen observation I'm having here,' you know." But when she brought it up to me, I was like, "Oh." So this is like, th- this is how these systems get built <laughs> is it's, it's thought processes like this. And I, I needed a, a woman to, to say to me, like, do you realize that that is, you know, I mean, it was, I mean, it seems obvious now, but it didn't seem obvious to me at the time, but that's like clear discrimination mm-hmm. against a woman that because she might get pregnant, you might not give her this opportunity that you would, you would give to someone else yes. who doesn't have that. Um, and that would even reinforce the demand for abortion. Right. Yes. And yes, here I am. Catholic theology teacher, you know, like, so, um, I just, just, as I've grown up, I've seen more, more and more things like that, that, that have made me, me realize like, oh, so this, this, this feminism thing is, is like really like, we really, we really need it. We really need yes. a, a robust, um, you know, Catholic, Catholic, uh, you know, founded in human dignity. Um, vision of uh of of feminism so yeah anyway
1: um i also it's funny when you say that there's like a lot going on right now um i don't know if you've seen on instagram that there's a push there's an organization that is pushing for the diocese of america to consider paid leave for women um i did see which that. is huge um mm-hmm. and i realized i worked in a diocese that didn't at one time well, I don't know if they still don't offer any type of pay. And I was like, I don't understand. I go, this is the Catholic Church, right? Yeah. I think that because, and also because the church doesn't allow itself the privilege of the female perspective in the places where it matters, and mm. I think that really hurts um, our growth and our moving forward. Because if you don't, cause just like, just like not putting a woman in the mix. <laughs> of you know creating Mm -hmm. life and growth and moving forward if you don't put a woman in the mix where decisions are being made you hinder your growth and moving forward Mm -hmm. right like you can't you can't have a baby without a woman right yeah no matter Mm -hmm. no matter what no matter where science is you still need a womb (laughs) y'all like that's all i'm gonna say um Mm -hmm. but you without having the privilege of the female perspective Mm -hmm. there you get dioceses that don't consider paid maternity leave yeah where it's the women who will provide our priests the women who Mm. provide the women who provide the church (laughs) like literally provide the people of god
0: yeah (laughs) and who in most cases are 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 doing the the lion's share of the work in the domestic church Mm -hmm. in the homes you know still in 2022 i'm i'm a stay-at-home dad when i'm not doing uh stuff like this but for most most households it's the mom who's doing doing most of that domestic church work um so uh, yeah, the, the, when I, when I saw that on Instagram, I was like, you mean to tell me that there's like hardly any diocese any that has like that paid offer. maternity leave? <laughs> like, yeah, that's, yeah, it's, 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 it's hard to believe. And it's, so I think that's it's,
1: a, it's, it's, unjust and the church is called mm-hmm. to be the most just employer. And yeah. when you, when you look at that, it's like, that's what happens. That's what happens when you have a solely male perspective. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. Not only a solely male perspective, but a male perspective that does not have a family. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Well,
0: and I think I think that's one of the g- good things. So Pope Francis has started including women on on more like Vatican boards mm-hmm. and councils that just like traditionally have always been stocked with priests. Um, you know, we talk about clericalism in the church. It's like there's nothing in church teaching that says like this this office in the Vatican has to be head by headed by a priest. Like it could definitely be headed headed by a, a lay person. Um and, and so that I think that's good that Pope Francis is is, is doing some of that stuff. So um, so we don't we don't have a whole lot of. Time yet, but uh, and we've and we've gone all over the place. So, so listeners, a couple things. So, whenever whenever we have uh, a show like this, where we're talking about kind of some controversial things, um, some things that that wade into politics, politics or liturgy, for some reason is always what 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 upset people. <laughs> um, but I just want to encourage you that you know you might be upset at something we said or at something we didn't say, and, and that's okay. That's part of the reason I, I call this show Pop Culture Catechism is because many of the catechisms through history have been a dialogue. Saint Augustine wrote that way. Saint Thomas Aquinas wrote that way. The Baltimore Catechism was that way, and you know, as as a teacher, I found that's one of the best ways to learn, and so that's why I love having these conversations with people like Marcia, um, who you know, I think it's probably clear that she and I don't agree on everything here, but we can, we we still have a heart for the church, we still have a heart for Jesus, and we still have a, a heart for for living the kingdom, and. That's part of how we learn and part of how we grow is by hearing people with different opinions and different experiences. And so, I would just encourage you to, to, um, if you are feeling a a little triggered, that that's 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 fine and that's normal. Um, But it doesn't mean you're not welcome here, and it doesn't mean uh, that we don't maybe all have some things to learn. And if you do have things to say, you can throw those in the comments or you know respond to us, and you can you can let us know what we think. We love all that. So I want to. Is there? So we talked mainly about. you know, racism and anti-racism and, and feminism. Are there any closing thoughts or anything you want to throw in there that we missed? (laughs) I know. I feel like, I know we could go on all day, um, but is there there anything that we like absolutely missed that we need to throw in that you can think of? We did.
1: And I'm so sad because I was like, I was really excited to get into the whole body positivity part of Beyonce. Uh, uh, And I was like, but it's okay. It's okay. Just, you know, I just listen to Beyonce and move like, you'll be fine. But yeah, no, I just think that whole, that, that was, that was a huge part. Um, that I loved about just, I love about her, even though she's got like one of the best bodies in the world. And everyone's like, Mm -hmm. I love my body because of Beyonce. It looks nothing (laughs) like your body.
0: (laughs) That's really cool. I don't, I don't think I'd, I'd realized um, I'd realize that. Um, so I told my listeners at the beginning of this show that by the end, we would try to give them some gospel takeaways, some some things that they could take and put into their lives today when they <laughs> take out their earbuds. Um, is there, If you could just think of one thing from this episode that you're going to take with you uh, today, and I'll I'll try to do the thing. You, you want to go first? You want me no, go I first?
1: want you to go first.
0: <laughs> okay, I'll go first. So I, I think you, you used this word a couple of times, and I think it's so important. It's another word from Catholic social teaching, the word solidarity. And it's the idea that we are of one heart and mind with those who are on the surface different than us, and that conversations like this and conversations with those who we don't often talk to, people that look different than us and experience life different than us, who have different things than us, that live in different parts of the country than us, that um, just, just live a different way of life than us, um, that those conversations are so important in that perspective of other people's perspective is so important and so easy to live in our echo chambers. It's so easy to self-segregate based on our, our Facebook or Twitter or Instagram feeds. It's so easy to self-segregate based on the the housing community we live in or the dorm we live in. And that, that is antithetical to the gospel. Not that we can't have a community of people that we feel at at home with, but that, that shouldn't just be based on, on the, the things of the world. It should, should be based out of a common love for, for humanity. And so, Um, that's what I'm going to take with me is to, to try to open myself up to people that I maybe (sighs) wouldn't naturally, that might take a little bit more effort, um, that maybe I don't always see and maybe I don't always consider their perspective. Cause I think that's what Jesus did. You know, he met people that were different than him. So that's my takeaway.
1: Okay. Um, (laughs) I, I think that in this conversation, um, I, I, I do listen, I promise. But um, I think that my takeaway has been how listening is really important Um, and being uncomfortable. Like we, I don't think that we would have had this conversation if you weren't like, let's talk about Beyonce, right? I don't think I would have been like, if you would have emailed me like, let's have a conversation on race and racism and feminism. I'd be like, oh God, what do you want to talk about, white man? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> do you know like no like Uh real real talk i think that finding Mm -hmm. common ground and finding um commonalities positive you know commonalities that we can talk Mm -hmm. about and get excited about i think that is reminding me that is a really great place to start having hard conversations because i am not a conflict averse person so i'm like bring it Mm -hmm. let's do it and i think that that's not always um the way to go even jesus wasn't afraid to flip tables but jesus also wasn't afraid to be gentle and understanding. And I think that's a huge um, Mm. takeaway. And um, I appreciate your um, willingness to be uncomfortable, um, to sit in your (laughs) discomfort so that you can learn something better. And, um, and your way of doing that also allowed, like challenged me, like I wrote a few things down where I'm like, I need to think about the way I phrase that, even though I don't think I'm Mm. wrong most of the time. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, so I think that that's a really good um, takeaway from this episode.
0: Nice. Well, thank you for this conversation. Mm-hmm. That, and I didn't, I didn't feel too uncomfortable. I like talking about stuff like this and, and learning things. And I, I appreciate your perspective. And uh, if people want to hear more from you or they want to know more about you, where should they go?
1: Um, you can go to Instagram. It is my favorite little corner of the internet. I have the best mm-hmm. followers on Instagram. We are a small and mighty bunch. You can follow me at Um, That is S-T-Y. Like, <laughs> I am about to spell it out and I can't. <laughs> I mean, I can, I so. can spell yeah. it out, but just spell it. It's like stylish, yeah. like the adverb, stylishly Sia. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's where you can find me. You can find my podcast at PSBB podcast also on Instagram. Hmm.
0: Awesome, yeah, and you have some some great episodes on there. And if you if you don't have enough uh, pop culture Catholic commentary on this uh, podcast, definitely go check out hers because she has a they have, you, you guys have some some great stuff. And uh, you have your your new book is out.
1: Yes, yes, it is. It's called Fat mm-hmm. Luther, Slim Pickens. Um, mm-hmm. it is, Luther Vandross is our inspiration, apparently. Um, mm-hmm. It is a celebration of black. uh, a black catholic celebration of culture tradition and diversity we kind of go through we really jesus juke people because we go through the liturgical year well we catholic juked my family because they're all protestant Mm -hmm. so and they all bought it (laughs) i was like ha 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 um, so um we kind of go through the liturgical year and talk about um our lives and our perspective as black catholics and feast days and um all the amazingness that is the church just from our perspective.
0: Nice. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I often ask my guests if they would close us in a prayer kind of based on all the things that we've been talking about. Would you be willing to do that oh, for yeah. us? I
1: grew up Protestant. Both my granddaddies were preachers. I got this.
0: All right. <laughs> all right. Let's do it. Okay, uh, listeners, wherever you are, just uh, take a moment to, uh, to pause and let's pray. Father,
1: Son, Holy Spirit. Father. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gifts that you've given us and the ways that you continue to surprise us. Thank you for allowing us to have heart conversations important conversations necessary conversations i ask that you continue to allow us to open our ears open our hearts and our minds that we are that we find great ways to praise you and all of your goodness through things that don't have to do with the church that we can celebrate the people that you've brought into this world and all the gifts that they've brought i ask that you allow us to continue On these conversations, I ask that you allow us to seek out other resources and seek out other people and find commonalities and allow us to sit in discomfort and to stand in solidarity. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Marcia, thank you so much. And uh, thanks. thank you for this conversation. Listeners, thank you to you. And if you have uh, appreciated this conversation, if you learned something, if you were challenged, if there's somebody you think needs to hear it, the best way you can support us is by sharing this episode with somebody. Just text it to them, take a screenshot, share it on your socials or, or something and just say, hey, I think th- this is a conversation you would really appreciate. Maybe they're Beyonce, Stan, or maybe they're, this would just be a conversation that they would appreciate. And the last way that you can help us if you're really feeling motivated is you can go to popculturecatechism.com and you can join our patron community. There are six levels at which you can be a patron of this show. And, Find something that fits your budget or your tithe, and give it on a monthly basis. And with that, you get exclusive content with each episode. Like so, for example, when the new Beyonce album finally comes out, oh, I'm going to yeah. do a review of that. I'm going to do a review of that, and that will only be for uh, patrons. All my talks that I give in my speaking ministry are on there. Um, there's there's all sorts of stuff that is only for patrons. So go to popculturecatechism.com and please help support this show and everything that goes on at awaken. Catholic. Also, I want to tell you about the Awakened Catholic app, which is kind of a hub for all the shows on Awakened Catholic, but it's also a great Catholic community for like minded people where we try to avoid some of the toxicity that goes on in other places on social media. Um, and uh, it's it's free for everyone. There's a, a great Catholic prayer library, music library on there, and then if you are a patron of any of the shows, you get access to all the Awaken Nation content with lots of stuff from me and other show hosts as well. So thank you so much for listening, Marcia. Thank you for being my guest thank today, you for having me. viewers. You're welcome, viewers, listeners. We love you, and God loves you more. And a special thank you to our patrons who make this show possible, especially Carl and Melissa Gore, Lisa and Bob Tenney, Steve and Maggie Hubbard, Rob Smith, and Tom and Emily Kimberiotti. Thank you guys who make this show possible. Peace.